Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a longtime gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back. I'm Lori, the 20-Minute Scriptorian, and you are Scriptorians too. And we are headed into First and Second Peter. And before we head out today on the all about the First and Second Epistle of Peter, it is, if you're in North America, or at least in the United States, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. And I would be uh, remiss if I didn't express my gratitude for all of you and all of your great comments and insights and the opportunity to do this podcast. It's been a huge addition uh, to my study and to my life, and I'm just grateful for all of you. So know that this Thanksgiving, I'm especially grateful to all of you. All right. So we are in Come Follow Me, and again, we're at the very end of November. We're headed into these early Christian letters, and we're in Peter. So we're going to do Peter, Peter uh, next week. I guess we're doing John and Jude. Uh, so we'll be finishing those. And then we head right into a couple of weeks of the book of Revelation and Christmas. So we're almost done. We'll head into the Book of Mormon next year. So as you recall, on this episode, the All About, we do a little bit of a background and uh, the context and what was going on and before you jump into the letters. Now, Peter is a fantastic two. Uh, I'll just talk about both of them, obviously, at the same time. But uh, Peter is a great epistle. It's short. It's probably one that you know a couple of verses from, but you might not know, at least if you're like me. I, it's not one that I, I go, oh, yeah, I, I know. I, you know, I know that one off the top of my head. I know James a little bit, and I might know Hebrews or some of these, but if you said what's in First and Second Peter, it's uh. So I challenged me and you to jump in and read it. Read it out loud if that helps, but they're very, very short. It'll only take you a couple of minutes to read it, and just some hidden gems in there. So let's do the who, what, when, and talk about what's going on with uh, this letter, first of all. So first, obviously, it's written by Peter. He identifies himself right out of the gate. I'm going to take a minute to talk a little bit more about him, to give a little more background, things you probably know, but just a really great refresher. He's such a hero of mine, and uh, probably yours too. But Peter, uh, obviously, the the, the apostle, the chief apostle and uh, of Jesus. And he says that right out of the gate. Hey, this is Peter, an apostle of Jesus. Uh the name Peter is the second most frequent name mentioned in the Gospels outside of Jesus. So Jesus is number one and Peter's name is mentioned the second. So he is one that is just just so involved in the church and, and you know that, but it's 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 just amazing. So this is gonna be this is someone that is so close to the to the Savior, has the keys that we're gonna really wanna dig in. As an apostle, uh, the, the jobs may have been a little bit different than they are now, but obviously is sent out. He's one that, that is going to be sent out to spread the gospel. And uh, this writing style is prob- probably written by a scribe of his. He, we don't know if that, how much Greek he spoke, but it has a, a very fairly literary style in Greek, and which seems odd for a Galilean, but well-traveled. We know that Peter, we're pretty sure at least tradition says that Peter actually went throughout 
uh, Samaria and then up north and then gets over into what we call Turkey or Asia Minor and teaches there. And then uh, and that's probably where the recipients of this letter are in that, that Turkey area and then then ends up in Rome where it was said that he was uh, crucified upside down. So so these are probably writing he's writing out to the people that he had taught on these missionary journeys as he as he went out the one of the themes that you'll see just to think about it is this very very peter-like theme is service and suffering so you'll see that in chapter two but this emphasis on uh, service and suffering which is very much the life of christ and so and very similar to how it's presented in the gospel of mark and mark we think was written under the direction of peter so so if you read the gospel of mark then you're kind of saying hey this is the gospel of peter so it has these similar themes and and very similar too in acts the very beginning you know the first half of acts is peter and the sef- second half of acts is paul and in that first half you have these speeches and they also go over the servant motif so very very common themes that we're seeing from peter so just think about kind of who it was written and kind of some themes when was it written you know we we think that peter was killed somewhere in the early 60s so like 64 somewhere in there ad which is the time of nero uh the caesar the the ruler of rome uh and he was doing a lot of persecutions of the christians and so it could be during this time right before this time of his death that he was writing uh, to the people now he may have been uh, in Rome and writing back to the people of Asia Minor so that's that's kind of when and then who yeah um again people like uh, the Galatians Cappadocia Bith- Bithynia some of these cities that are right in Asia Minor is probably we, we don't have any record of him actually being there uh, you know obviously the New Testament isn't a history so it doesn't tell you everybody's missionary journey but we th- we think he must have worked there during that time uh from the time he went from jerusalem to rome he probably would have gone through there and would have been teaching as an apostle and so maybe the, uh, those are the people he's probably writing to he says that he's writing to the people who belong to the diaspora so the dispersion of the jews among the gentiles and so he he uh peter identifies them as jewish christians um so one of the references he says like the feudal ways you've learned of your fathers reminds me of layman and lemuel but it's these traditions you've learned from your jewish background so certainly would have gone to gentiles as well but we kind of get the feeling that's who he was writing to is kind of this mixed uh element what was going on well just like what's going to happen to peter a fair amount of trials and afflictions and so you see that right into the gate and in one six that he's going to talk about persecutions and problems and he's going to tell them the possibility of greater and even more severe persecutions and difficulties are coming along and he talks about that in three and four so we don't know the exact problems but they're probably similar to the persecutions endured by their early christians and they were described even in acts and then even some of paul's epistles so so they're saying that these trials uh of the readers that are they're getting this letter from peter are are fairly um oh they're they're incidental right it's not probably as widespread but they're they're having these specific things happening to them and so it's a matter of incidents and and they're pretty terrible now one thing that's that's easy to think uh maybe a misconception is that 
a lot of times we think of these persecutions of the Christians as super widespread, right? They're just kicking out everybody and uh, burning them at the stake and all that. And that, that doesn't seem to be quite the way it was. While there were definitely persecutions and trials and abuses, and we don't want to diminish those of anyone who had to suffer those or how bad those would have been. It isn't uh, something like the Jewish Holocaust where the whole groups were, were put out. Uh, it certainly was bad and it was bad for some. Uh, and it was definitely seen as a, a weird religion and, and didn't fall. Rome was all about like old things. So it liked the old Greek religions and it liked uh, Roman, you know, we can kind of overlay. You like Zeus? We'll call him Jupiter. Uh, that was ancient. So while they didn't understand the Jews, the Jews were very ancient. And so they liked the ancient, they liked the tradition. And so if you had something new, they, they didn't think much of that. Additionally, it was so different. Uh, ancient religions, and especially in this time, were what I think of as check the box. So they were a ritualistic thing. It wasn't faith. It wasn't changing inside. It wasn't trying to make you a better person or save you. It was um, check the box, do these these things you were duty obligated to do, like sacrifice or, or prayers or some kind something like that. And as you check those boxes, then you know maybe the gods would would benefit you but at least you weren't on their you know on the radar so but that's very different for how christianity is right it's saying change who you are in service and so you're going to see that in peter where this is really different for people even for the jews right the jews were kind of missed some of the points too and so i'm sure not everybody but generally they got to be checking the box too right i just do these obligations and I'm this chosen person and I'm supposed to, but I, it doesn't really matter what I think inside. And so Christ teaches in the Sermon on the Mount, right? We have to change our hearts. We have to be different. We have to serve in the servant leadership. And so Peter is going to, because of the persecutions and changes, instead of saying, hey, this violent revolution is the way to go, he's going to say, no, no, serve, right? Turn the other cheek. And you're going to see the servant and persecution, service during persecutions as being a big key. So, uh, so that's kind of the the overview. Um, let's see. The f uh, form of the letter has been something of, you know, you'll see everything where they're saying it's kind of a, um, there's a section that kind of has a doctrinal section, and then it, it's kind of uh, instructions, uh, exhortations, right? Do this, do this, um, throughout the entire letter. So it may have been kind of used like a sermon that, you know, Peter writes it and he knows that this letter is going to get passed around because it's not given, he says, you know, to the diaspora, to the dispersion. It's, we're going to pass this letter around so that all the different churches can read it. And so it's going to have a lot of instructions and you're going to see that almost, um, almost a liturgy. He's going to talk about baptism, for example. He's going to talk about some of their practices. And, and so it's just fascinating if you think about it. There's some instructions for people in hard times. So it could have been part of the sermon, could have been uh, some instructions, but uh, but that's 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 kind of the idea there. Theme, we talked about that, uh, living hope in the midst of suffering was what I wrote down. Very similar to what we see in Paul in Romans and Philippians is that there's this concept, and we, boy, if we just think of all the things we have read recently, you'll say, yeah, Lori, that, I, I hear that a lot is this persecutions and sufferings and how to rejoice and have hope during all of those and and they certainly lived in that time and so you'll see it in a lot of Paul's writings and so as we think back to what we've read you see that is a very common theme in these letters and that's what they were suffering at the same time
So they were suffering those. And so they're going to see this, that it is a privilege being a Christian, a child of God to partake in Christ's sufferings. And uh, Peter is going to relate that your sufferings as a believer are similar to Christ's sufferings and it would give us hope. And so we should rejoice in the midst of our sufferings. So that is a quick outline. Let me, let me take a note here and see, I think I was going to look if there was any other themes. Uh, those, those are the big ones that I wanted to cover, but I did want to talk about one other thing as we went through, and I mentioned it in the beginning, and that is kind of who was Peter. It's such, such, such a helpful tool for me when I am studying is to do these all abouts, but because we don't have that much of a literary structure or Greek or something or, you know, what was happening in the city, there, there isn't as much of that to review. But Peter is such a large character that it got me thinking about him and what he he was like and, and, and say, what a fascinating study. So I wanted to point out that that more about him. So as we read it, we're going to jump back to Peter. So Peter's name, I mentioned, I said this before, but Peter's name is mentioned in the Gospels more than anyone except the name of Jesus. No one speaks in the Gospels as often as Peter did. And Jesus spoke to Peter more than any other individual. So here's some notes. Uh, Jesus rebuked Peter more than any other disciple. I think about that. You know, that is so not how we write today, right? We only write our best uh, things and in a, in a, our best attributes and our best stories, our best missionary stories, our best sides of the story. But the Gospels and the Old Testament, uh, Book of Mormon, all of them, they really show the people like they were. And can you imagine that for all time, your story is Jesus is rebuking you a lot of times. Well, that's Peter. So a, a very humble man or was learning to be humble. Peter was also the only disciple that dared rebuke Jesus. Peter was the only disciple who dared to rebuke Jesus. See if you can think of when that was. Peter confessed Jesus uh, that he was the Christ more boldly and accurately than any other disciple. Do you remember that? Hey, who, who does everyone think I am? And uh, they're like, oh, some say, you know, John the Baptist. And do you remember Peter? You are Christ, the son of the living God. And then upon this rock, right? So he's that guy. Peter also denied Jesus more forcefully and publicly than we know of than any other disciple. I, I think there's an interesting lesson to be learned here. And I know a few of you are thinking, but Lori, the Lord told him to. And I don't think that's what the story is telling us. That may be. But I think what they're telling us is this amazing story of this disciple who was so energetic, so devoted to Jesus, so kind of impulsive, kind of, I mean, he was an all-in guy. <laughs> Peter was all-in. I love the stories of Peter. Remember, um, he says, come follow me. You think of, you know, John dropping his nets, but Peter was there too in in the Matthew story right afterwards, and it's, they, he drops, you know, he's a fisherman as well. Bam. And he's got a wife. We know Anna is his wife and she's probably running the business and supporting them. Well, he's off being an apostle, but he, he says, come follow me. And Peter, bam, drops it. I also love one of my favorite stories of Peter is when they're on the boat, uh, the apostles and they, they've been teaching and, and Christ was exhausted and, and they, he's not with them at this point. And then 
Uh, they were feeding the 5,000, and then they take the boat out, and it's stormy. And you remember what happens? They're like, hey, we see somebody out on the water, and they're, they're afraid. Like, what could possibly be out on the Sea of Galilee? And they finally realize it's Jesus walking towards them. And what does Peter do? Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's night. It's scary. They're in a boat, and they see someone on the water, and what does Peter do? And you're going to say, well, Lori, he, he jumps out of the boat. He does. He When he sees it's the Savior, he jumps out of the boat. Who who jumps out of the boat? We see Jesus is walking, and he jumps out. The Lord says, come on out, and he jumps out. That's crazy. That is That doesn't even... I would never, I just, who of us would do that? But I love that story of Peter because as the Lord kind of calls for him, he's all in. So he jumps and then he's like, oh no, you know, he, he walks for a little bit and then he sinks and the Lord saves him. I love that story of Peter. He is an all in guy. Same thing too at the Last Supper. Christ is going to wash the feet. And it's a very, it's a thing that servants or slaves does. It's very uh, humble. It's a very humble job. And so when Jesus is going to wash Je- uh, Peter's feet, Peter's like, you won't wash my feet. <laughs> and Jesus says, well, then I won't have anything to do with you. And I just love where he's so extreme. Well, you won't wash it. And he goes, well, then wash all of me. So, so Peter's just all in. He's all in all the time. And then you go to the story of the denial. But think about the stories right away. Right in Acts, Peter is out serving the people of Jerusalem and teaching them, and he gets thrown in jail. So it's a such an interesting character study that in one minute he's denying, and the next minute he's thrown in jail. He's he's not afraid. So he's the same guy. Um, what else? When. It's worthwhile doing some important things, other uh, things in the story that are prominent in the gospel records. When Jesus, uh, this is in Mark, when Jesus woke up early in the morning to pray before the sun came up, Simon Peter led the other disciples on a hunt to find Jesus and tell him what he should do. <laughs> That's one of my favorites. Uh, hey, we're going to find Jesus and we're going to tell him. We're going to tell him what to do. Also then that's uh, Peter put his net out in the direction of Jesus and Luke to catch fish. He went on, Peter went on a unique outreach trip with the disciples in Matthew. Uh, we, we heard about the, uh, Peter stepping out in the boat. Peter one, uh, was the one who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In John six, Peter also saw Jesus transfigured with Moses and Elijah Peter was the one who asked Jesus how many times they should forgive a brother that sins against them, quoting the number like seven times. No, seven times. Seven. Peter was the one who asked Jesus after the encounter with the rich young ruler what the disciples would receive for giving up everything to follow Jesus. <laughs> well, we did it. So we forget that part of the story, right? Um, give all your, you know, give up everything and follow me was the rich young ruler. And, and Peter's like, well, what are we going to get? Peter was also the one who insisted that uh, he not wash his feet. We said that one. Peter heard Jesus predict that he would deny him three times. And Peter replied, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And the rest of the disciples agreed. We kind of forget that. 
Peter was the one that cut off the right ear of Malchus, the servant, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden. Remember the intensity? He's just super intense. So ugh, I love that. And then he denied Jesus three times, cursing and swearing that, that he did not even know the man, refusing to even name the name. Peter was the one who ran with John, the disciple, to the tomb when they found out that he had uh, was no longer there. Peter was the one who received a personal visit from the resurrected Jesus on the day of the resurrection. And Peter received a public restoration of Jesus in front of the other disciples after the resurrection of Jesus in John 21. Uh, there's more, but I love that intensity, the the learning that we see. He is such a great man. Now remember, his name is actually Simon or Shimon in Hebrew or Aramaic, and then uh, he's named the Rock, and in Greek that is Peter. So sometimes you'll see Cephas or Cephas, which is the Aramaic word for Rock, and then they translate that uh, into the Latin, which is Peter uh, Petra. So. So just so you know, it's his nickname, right? He's the rock. Uh, great. He, he does. He becomes the rock. And by the time we get these letters of Peter, he is the rock. Well, that's it, Scriptorians. As you jump into First and Second, First and Second Peter, which we'll do next time, uh, don't forget to remember who this person was and what a great example he is to us of suffering and hope. <laughs>